Kevin Whelan, economist, author, speaker, one of the UK's leading experts in wealth creation. Recurring wealth is not just for us, it's for your family. Take the time to understand money and how to attract more money, more wealth, whilst you sleep. Because if you don't, you work until you die. These seven ways of wealth creation have the ability to change everything as you know it. Let's do this. Different thing here. So I've got the first question. What is wealth? Wealth is the ability to create certainty when life is uncertain. Right. I knew you were going to have something for that. Okay. So it's the ability so, to create certainty when life is uncertain. When you think about life and all the trials and tribulations that exist out there right now, life is unpredictable, life is uncertain, and life is being lived longer now. People are curing aging. Well, getting older. And, you know, I'm a granddad now for the second time. And what's shocked me, and hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about this, which is a good shock, but it's a bad shock which is children born today can fully expect to live to 100 years of age, which means the old traditional models of education, work or business, and then retirement, all shot. So we have to completely change our mindset on how we go about creating streams of recurring income, which provide diversity and certainty so that whether the stock market is up and down, whether interest rates are up and down, whatever political persuasion we have or is in power, we can be mildly irritated by the outcomes of those things we can't control. But what we can control is having multiple streams of continually recurring and repeating revenue, which serves two purposes. One, it serves us as the pioneers, as, as, the, as the business owners, let's say, of our own wealth. But secondly, given the point I just made about children living to 100, we're going to need to support them. We're going to need to provide that lasting wealth and that lasting income to make sure that they have got the best chance of living the best possible life they can. And don't you believe that's a good thing? I do believe it's a good thing. I mean, at the moment, I'm t a little taken back by your depth of answer, level of seriousness... Yeah, I've got this whole compassion or this sensitivity in me about this children are living to 100. Yeah. And the way we're thinking about wealth has changed. But we're not changing our education system to reflect that. <laughs> we are educating people right now, though, so we're sure. changing that. So, Well, you know, the, the erudite few who are paying attention will look at that but every time I speak on stage or, or talk on a podcast or, or present anywhere, I always talk about the purpose of recurring wealth is not just for us. It's a bit like the person who's willing to plant a tree for someone else to shade themselves from because it won't be us. So I believe as the pioneer of my family's wealth that I have that right and obligation, but not just to provide for my younger generation but to provide from the generations to come and to come and to come after that. And that means stewardship. It means passing on. It means almost like a baton handover between one generation to the next. And that's not the same as most people think, because if you go back generations, people didn't have much to leave. 
Now, the baby boomers have got more money to leave, statistically, but they're quite private about their money. That's why so much inheritance tax is paid. There wouldn't be as much inheritance tax paid if people were more upfront, more communicative, more collaborative in their style. And I think it's part of this old educational lockstep system of, you know, you go to school, everybody's at the same, you go to work, everybody's the same, and then you retire and everybody's the same. But now we live life in transitions. We live life changing, changing, changing. And we have to be able to cope much more with the transitions that we see people go through. And our children today, including ourselves, will live through many, many more transitions. And I think uh, I think Mr. Buffett said it well. If you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you will work till you die. And that's the flip side of living to 100. Because it's good, isn't it, that people live longer, but it means you've got to support yourself for longer, which means probably for most people, unless they sort this out, as a whole family, the next generation of children will be the longest working children ever in history. They'll be working in their 70s. Some of them will be working in their 80s. And the, the, their transition will be much, much longer because they're living longer and they won't have enough money to fund it. And that's that's my mission. My mission is, is not personal wealth any longer. It's to, it's to try and help those people who've got the best chance of being the pioneers of the future wealth not just for themselves, but for the next generation as well. So I'm reaching out to parents, grandparents, business owners, because I've been through, you know my story a bit, I've been through a transition with my own father dying as a business owner who made all the mistakes that he shouldn't have made, but he made them all the same because he was a private individual, he was Mr. Superman, thought he could do everything on his own, and you can't, and that's why I like to share, so to encourage collaboration and an openness and discussion, not I'm going to do this on my own. And that's why I re re reflect and respect you guys, uh, particularly the coaches and the coaching communities, because you're getting people to become open-minded, that they can be helped and that they should ask for help because collaboration is a much, it's a faster, safer, more enjoyable place to, to go through the transitions than it is to try and do it all on your own and hope you can master the skills on your own. You just can't do it. So I love the opportunity to share and hopefully just to give one person who's listening an insight that they do something different or better for their own family. Kevin, very quickly, we've gone really deep and I'm getting this sense of depth and wisdom from you, all right? So I want to crack all of this open. There's so many things that you've said that we're going to touch into. I'm going to repeat something that you said here. I think I managed to capture it as okay. you said it. Let me repeat. If you don't find a way of making money while you sleep, you will work till you die. Yeah. Did you say that? I did say that. It was Warren Buffett who said it, not me. So I, I, I take some uh, credit for spotting it and sharing it, but it wasn't my original idea. Yeah, good. And let's credit Warren Buffett on that. Let's bring Warren Buffett into the conversation. That's really good, isn't it? The other thing I got from what you said is wealth is as a family. It's generation. It is, yeah. This whole hundred years thing, you did, I, I, I got thinking as you said it. I, I did a live this morning, you know, and I said, you've got to be grateful for things. You know, when you're even eating an apple today, be grateful for the person that planted the tree. There's something in there. Be And, and it, it, of course, 
proximity is power. I said that this morning. I'm instantly relating that to what you've said here. Wealth as a family. Yeah. 100 years. We're living longer. Does retirement exist anymore? Retirement is a transition. And it's a state of mind. Because oh, in the old, you know, I mentioned it was lockstep, everybody working together. The whole definition of retirement was this idea of retiring from something. In other words, you worked until you were no longer able to work and then you stopped work. And then through some combination of government or company on yourself, you were able to sustain a life beyond that. And traditionally, you didn't live long. I mean, my father died at 46 or so never saw retirement. But so many others, uh, if you go back a generation, they probably had a life expectancy of maybe 70. So they retired at 65 and died at 70. You know, five years in retirement is not much of a, no, it's not. a retirement. We're living longer now. We're living healthier now. But we're living life sleepwalking because we don't know how to fund that life. And the way you fund it is not to have a basket of money like a basket of eggs, right? It's to have a recurring stream of you know, golden geese, if you yes. like, laying those eggs so that you capture them. And, and we can talk about what they are. And the, what's we, great we, is... We will talk about what they are. There's a finite we, number of what those things are. They the, the will. Look, the student right now is with the master, all right? You've got me. And I'm speaking on behalf of all of the listeners here as well. Right. And I love it. I mean, you've got my attention. Streams of recurring income, recurring wealth is not just for us. It's... Is for the years to come. Yeah. And it's for my children as well. I'm a dad. I've got yeah. children, you know. And if I don't find a way of making money whilst I'm sleeping, I'm going to work until I die. And that impact will be there for the kids as well. So you've got me. Yeah. Um, I, and I, that that's a positive, by the way, the student and the master. Yeah. Do, will you help me become the master? Well, I can share as much knowledge as I've got. For you then and anybody else yeah, to yeah. act upon that. But, look, I am, and I'm, then that takes them through uh, the, the whole principle. There, there are a number of principles I've written about in this whole idea of family wealth. When you go out there in the world of, and you mention the word wealth, let's say, you, you get people think, thinking about wealth managers, people who manage money, yeah. fund managers, uh, advisors. The best person to manage money, the best person to influence money and therefore teach it to the next generation is you. But most people don't take the time to absorb the right knowledge, right. which is not difficult, frankly. It's understanding there's two there's only two types of income, right? work income and asset income. That's it. right? So principle number one is learn the difference between the two, which goes to the heart of what Buffett's saying. So work income is trading time for money. You yeah. know this yeah, because which is you talk about this it, with it, business owners. It's classic uh, Kiyosaki. And classic Kiyosaki, of course it is. So trading time for money, and, and it's a very easy way that I tend to articulate that, it, whether I'm speaking to a job owner or a business owner. I say, okay, what, what are you earning or what are you drawing? Let's say we're having a trusted conversation. Uh, let's say they say to me, 100,000 a year, 50 quid an hour. Two hundred grand a year, hundred quid an hour. So you take the amount of money they're earning yeah. or drawing, divided yeah. by two, and that's their hourly rate. 
But there's a finite relationship between trading time for money because when you stop trading the time, the money stops. Yeah. So where is the wealth? Where's where's that recurring income that works whether you're alive or not? Is whether it, you're working or not? Is wealth about recurring income when it cuts down? To it? In in financial terms, wealth is about recurring income. Yes. Now one could argue there are many aspects to wealth. There's the there's wealth freedom, freedom of time to enjoy spending time with your kids, for example, which is health. Which is health? That's a form of wealth. Well, time is healthy. A healthy balance. A, a healthy relationship. Yeah. With your children, spending time with the children. That's yeah. part of wealth, isn't it? It is part of it because the the financial management of it it allows you to have that time. It does if you if you think about that and you decide to do that. Many wealthy people have have, have create, decided to create wealth precisely because the reason, the catalyst for them to overcome the inertia of doing what they were doing, is to spend time with the family. Yeah. Well, how do you do that? Well, more often than not, the way to do that is not get caught up in a construct of somebody else's employment, because then you can't do what you want to do when you want to do it. And that's part of the freedoms. So to me, wealth is freedom expressed in a whole different way. Now, many business owners are under the illusion that because they've got a business, therefore they're free of that time. But they're not. They get trapped by the very fabric they constructed because they then get caught and they don't have the time for holidays. They don't have the yeah. time for the freedom that perhaps was the original intention for them to get into. But then the business traps them. And they don't get out of that. So my, my biggest challenge for business owners is that so few business owners really generate wealth from their business. They generate income from their business. Yes. But not sustainable if they not, weren't there. Not recurring that. whilst they're sleeping. Not, not or even if they were dead. You know, And this is the whole point. So the sleeping analogy is when you're permanently asleep, you want the wealth to keep coming in because you've created assets that generate the flow of income, whether you're alive or not, whether you're here or not, which is why it's important, isn't it, to think about the stewardship idea of not just having entitled children who receive the money, the next generation spends the money, and the next generation have got no money. That's traditionally what happens. My idea and my principles, uh, which is, as I said, I've written seven principles, and one of them is called passing on, yeah. which is how do you pass on the baton to the next generation with incredible skill and stewardship, and that's through writing something called a family charter, which creates the rules once the wealth is built. But you've got to build it in the first place because that's the hardest part. Is that what Brad talks about in terms of creating the trust, the family trust type thing? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's obviously yeah. some similarity in language, and if you want to talk about trust, I'll go there if you want. No, just put a banner on it, you know, the... The, whatever your name, that the family wealth or whatever you want to call it, he, he gives it that. And, the, you know, how do you pass it on with skill and stewardship, you said? Yeah. But you've and, got to build it in the first place. But you've got to build it in the first place, and here's the rules. Yeah, and then you've got to teach it so that the children, the next generation, absorb those lessons so that right. then they know what's going on, which is one of the principles I've got, which is participation. So you've got to get children involved at all ages, whether they're 5, 15, 25 or whatever, yeah. get them involved and participate in discussions, open discussions about money. And that's an important part. And children are sponges. You know, all of the yeah. 
habits that are formed in life are often the seeds of that start before their age of seven. So they're absorbing what you're saying and how you think about it. Think about your own childhood and what language was being shared with you. You know, mine was like, money don't grow on trees, Kev. You know, or, you know, uh, I don't know, shut that door, the heat's going out, you know, something. Yeah, it, but it was always about scarcity. And children pick up the scarcity. So, when so did you shake that off? I shook that off when he died. Well, and, and that's when I realized that I could not be, I could not be in a position where I died at 46 years of age and had a family, which I didn't have at the time, but a family I'd intended to have and put them in a situation where instead of moving forwards as a family, the family went backwards. So when my dad died as a business owner, thinking he was Superman, he didn't have a will, didn't have any life cover, so there was still a mortgage on the house, didn't pay off. He didn't have a business succession plan, yet he had a good business. He was like an agent for North Sea oil rig workers, so he's being paid by BP and yeah. Shell for recruiting workers that he was putting the workers in and he was getting a margin plus whatever he was doing for himself. So he's doing well. You could tell we were doing well until we stopped doing well. And mm. it's because he didn't put the things in place. So you know, the, one of those principles of trust is making sure things like wills are made, that you've got life cover in trust, that you, you start to put pensions aside and put them in trust and you understand what a trust is, uh, which most people don't. Well, look, we, we're going to talk about all of the pillars, all of the things to put in place. I think there's a bedrock for that. And you might have already said some of these. What are the critical, what are the big mistakes that people make when it comes down to recurring income or wealth creation, sustainability for the future? Well, the first one, not getting the understanding between work income and asset income. Right? So, the, so okay. they think they've, they think they've got they think income, because they've got control over an income flow, yeah. that somehow because the income is flowing today, it will flow permanently. And it won't. It can't. We know we can't. I just love how matter of fact you are. It's just so good. Because every business has an exit strategy, even if you don't plan it. And most people don't plan it, so therefore the exit strategy is what happens when something goes wrong. Yeah. So the going wrong for most business owners is an expectation that, oh, my business is my pension. So I'll put all my eggs in the business basket. And then something happens to the business. Now, nobody wants to think that their business could be weak when they feel strong. Nobody wants to feel that. But we've been around businesses long enough to know that businesses can be affected for all sorts yeah. of reasons that are yeah. not within your control. Just look at what happened with with COVID. Just look at what happened when all sorts of different disasters happen in business. So we know we're not in control. The big evidence of all of this is the number of businesses that successfully sell for wealthy money. Let's say wealth money would be, I'll, I'll put a number on it for the sake of, uh, of just having a discussion. I'm not putting a number yeah. on wealth because everybody's wealth is theirs. Yeah, I've got it. Yeah. So a recurring income of 2000 a month, if that's what you want, is great. 10000 a month is great. 20000 I don't worry about the number yeah. because you've chosen your freedom around that sustainable level of income. See, 
is is one of the first things choosing a number. Choosing a number is one of the things, yeah. Well, it helps. It gives direction. It does, least, doesn't it? It does, But that, yeah. that first point, I mean, is that point number one, the, understand the difference between work, work income and asset income? That's the first thing. And what's the first, how does someone do that? What do they read? What do they, uh, what uh, phrase do they play over? What do they look into? Well, most people will will have heard or be introduced to the idea of words that they've heard like uh which i don't agree with by the way like they hear the word passive income. yes right nothing is passive yeah it's a myth Every, yeah. everything needs to have some management of it even if it's stewardship management you need management but they don't know how to get it because their activity and their skill set has been formed on creating a flow of work, work income, income. So you have to open your mind and open your eyes to something different. Now, where'd you get that? Well, I call that a catalyst. So when people are doing what they're doing, from a wealth perspective, I say they're at rest. They're, they're living a life, but they're at rest yeah. from a wealth perspective. Now, we know from old science, we know money's not taught in schools, but some science is, and one of those is Newton's law, which is an object at rest stays at rest unless you move it. So who's the mover? Well, it's a book. It's a podcast like this. Yeah. It's a connection a to somebody. Yeah, a catalyst. A reason to this. overcome the inertia. So the gentleman named Alan Miltz is in business finance and strategies. Right. Amazing. And he says, he, he does some presentations sometimes, and he said, put this on repeat. Keep listening to it until the penny drops. Because it doesn't get more complicated than this. Okay. And... He's talking specifically about business finance and managing the finances. We're talking here about work income, asset income, wealth creation over your lifetime, creating recurring. Maybe the people have to listen to this repeatedly for it to digest in and just have that time to, for personal reflection. And what was the what was the point that was made by you, the gentleman there? Yeah, he, he says the catalyst... Because this, I think this conversation can resonate with people, will resonate with people right now. I'm representing the listeners. Right. You might just have to listen to it again. Yeah, and it can be a and book. And again. You know, you mentioned Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. for example. Brilliant. But you, you know the number one lesson of Kiyosaki, that when I ask people what's the number one thing they take away, they don't take away the number one lesson that I took away, which is the reason why Robert Kiyosaki became wealthy wasn't because of anything other than he had a mentor who's the rich dad without the mentor the book is meaningless good point isn't it it's you like... know what i mean so they get something else from it and i got that which means you need a mentor to open rich dad your eyes which was a rich dad without the rich dad the book doesn't doesn't have any meaning whatsoever it's like you know, guy got a good education, went to university, went be became a university teacher like his dad, and retired like his dad. Well, it didn't happen. And obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. But the principles are: you, somebody else needs to be the catalyst for you, and just receive it with open arms. And I have a little game I play, which is why some cheeky people say to me, "Kevin, you look a bit like a wizened old wizard." You know, like an old geezer who's been doing this for years. Why do you keep doing it? Gandalf. 
Do you want to be called Gandalf? Well, I, your I, hair's I, not long enough, but you no, can no, be no, Gandalf's but, but, but you get the point. You know, I could be something like that. Yeah. But I position myself as a guide to people. And when you're a guide, the reason you don't get bored is because there's one ROI that I seek every day. And I seek it every single day. And you're only one relationship, which is R, opportunity, which is O, and I, which is idea, from a complete transformation in your wealth or somebody else's wealth. And I try and be that ROI for people I meet. Not in a forceful way, not in a way that's self-serving. I don't try and get people to buy yeah. things from me. Just to try and give them a distinction, if, if invited to do so. I don't force myself upon anybody ever. But if invited to, and I get invited to a lot, I will give people well, an insight. And I've got a CAT scan brain. That, What's that I, mean? It means if, if I sit down with somebody for 30 minutes and a cup of coffee, I can diagnose their financial health and give them at least three things that they can do to immediately improve their wealth position bar none. So you do a CAT scan? I do a CAT scan, yeah. It should be called an ROI scan, <laughs> a relationship opportunity idea scan. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's a financial GP-like brain, really. I'm not qualified as a doctor, but I've been around finance for long enough to consider myself an expert in many things. And, and of course, I'm humble enough to accept the expertise of people that I yeah. meet who've got knowledge way beyond me in certain specific areas that I think I need to call on. And that's an important part of, of what I do. So I'm a, I'm a creator of ideas and, and principles, and hopefully we'll talk some of those principles because they're mine. Uh, and I share things that I've learned from other people or connections that I think would be useful for somebody else. And that's why I'm always looking for new people to talk to, go, that would be interesting for them to meet Fred or Joe or Harry or Harriet. It doesn't really matter. It just it allows me to be thinking about, wow, that could help somebody else there um, and, and be that connector as well. So There's certainly a directness and intensity about the way that you communicate in here and it's, a, it's, it's needed because this is so important. I think it is. I want you to keep going like that. I'm, 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 the, I'm the voice of the listeners here. Push and push, please, Kevin. So biggest mistakes, not understanding work income, Asset income. Yeah. Anything else? Well, let's deal with that. Why don't we deal with that? Because that's the elephant in the room. Well, what are they? Go on. Right? Because in order to build asset income, you've got to know what the assets are. And the fantastic news is there are only seven. Yeah, the seven pillars, as you put it. There, yeah. there are no more than seven. Yeah, I've got them written down here. And you don't have to know all seven. You just have to be able to create enough income from enough of them to give you the level of asset income that you want. So just for the listeners, yeah. in summary, there's only seven assets. Seven. There's only seven types of assets. Yeah, there are here, more. Here they are. Just, just rattle them off. I've got them written down here. Okay. So let, let's deal with the there's mistakes. There's a four then. and a three, isn't there? They're right. So most people in life have got an asset somewhere in their life, but it's underutilized. It's not working. It's like, you know, it's, it's sort of the engine isn't really performing. Mm-hmm. So most people have got a house. They live in the house, but it doesn't create income. No. It could in so many different ways. Right? There are many, many ways you could create income. You could rent a room for 7500 a year tax-free. You could refinance it and use that money to go buy other assets that you could earn. You could, uh, one of my clients created um, an annex because she lives near Heathrow Airport, needed some money. What did she do? Created an annex and now 
It's the airline pilots and the airline workers that that stay there. She doesn't do anything. She just provides accommodation. So your your home and the space around you is a potential asset. So all these assets are potential. So they're called latent. Latent as in the fires, the yeah. pilot light's there. You've got to ignite it. Only you can ignite it. Number one then is what I call that home capacity. The capacity in your home yeah. is number one. And most people have got one of those, but they don't use it as an income. Yeah. The only time they ever use it as a as a wealth creation tool is when they get old. Got it. And they go, oh, oh some expletive. Uh, I can't afford to live now. <laughs> oh, some expletive. What, what am I going to do? I'm going to downsize. True. And that's what happens. Or uh, they or they uh, raise equity from their home. So they do it too late because they don't learn any lessons in, in the time. So they just do it when they're eight and when they're old and they've got no choice. The second is most people have got some form of pension. Yeah. Right? And pension is designed traditionally to be a form of, uh, the original pensions were a form of income replacement, like wages after you'd stopped working. Yes. It's not true anymore. It used to be you've got a state pension, which is now yeah. 66, going to move to 67, going to move hey, to 68. It doesn't matter because it's going to be 100, you know. You know, it's going to get, for our 100-year-old children, it's going to be 80, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, no government can afford it. And I'm not being political here. It's just mathematically the case, you know. Uh, from a macroeconomic point yeah. of view, no government can afford that. So the state pension can't work. Traditionally then, in the old lockstep, the employer used to provide the pension called a final salary pension. You just got the income. You didn't have to think about yeah. it. They paid you. Don't exist anymore. For an elite few, public sector, they get them. Everybody else doesn't get them. The elites, I like that. Yeah. So what it means then is most people have got only one option, which is to put some money and some employer's money into the stock market, which they don't understand how it works. So they just hope that one day, someday, there's going to be a big enough money in the pot but then when they get there they don't know how to exchange the pot for income right and the way i think about that is retirement income is like going on holiday you've got to know the exchange rate when you go on holiday yeah you know you can't buy bart or florins or euros or dollars unless you know well what am i going to get for that most people have no clue so they're taking a risk they don't understand and they're hoping that one day it will give them enough evidence. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. The average uh, retirement pot that people have in this country when they add the state pension and the pension pot together uh, is about 15000 a year. Okay, so the average person in this country, if they don't find a catalyst, will get about fifteen grand a year. Right? Some will get less, but that's the average. So they don't know how to do that. So the key is learning how you convert that money and how to grow that money more effectively. Yeah. Uh, and one of those lessons is just learn how the stock market works or learn some different things you can do with your pension. And that's another story. The third is most people got some savings, right? They got money in cash. They got some money yeah. in ISAs. Same problem. They're parking their money in a way they don't understand. You know, most people have got money in cash, don't know what interest rate they're getting. Could they get better? Could they get worse? Yeah. It's not ma I mean, designed to maximize. Well, it is more now. I mean, up until, you know, whenever I mean, you're this, not going to get hardly anything for savings now. You get 6.2% in national savings at the minute. Is that hardly anything? No, it's better than... That's a lot. 
You know, and so you've got to be on top of this. Two years ago, it would have been like 1%, now 6%. But if you don't know that, you're not keeping on top of money. And that's what I find most people are not doing. So in the house then, in the pension and in the investments they've got, everything is under par. Everything is underperforming. And as a result, no chance of becoming financially independent. Financially independent then is having enough recurring income to live the life that you want without compromise, whatever that figure is. Okay, so let's pick a number for the sake of it. All right, if, if the average income is 15 grand, but most people in my community I talk to would like 100 grand. Yeah, that's a, a hell of a, a gap. Grand, a grand a month. That's a hell of a gap, right? So how do you bridge that gap? Well, you have to learn what the other assets are. How to move this. How to move that, number one. Number two, what are the other assets? Because you can't build wealth in your home, your pension, your investments unless you do something. Well, most people delegate that money. Right? The house, yeah. not moving, pension, somebody else has got it. The investments, an institution has got it. Yeah. The four ways that you can be a value creator. Right, go on. Someone who's adding value, which means you've got to learn something, which means that you've got to be educated, which means you've got to be open-minded to being supported so that you can't it, learn it on your own. This is a value creator. Value creator. Yeah. And there are four ways to do that. So if we've gone one, two, three, can't work. Four, five, six, seven are the ones to come. Number four is a portfolio of property. So instead of having a property you live in, yep. you have property which you own or control. You don't have to own them. Yeah. You can control property. Uh, we'll get into that. It's much it, too complex. It's the one that most people get. They understand. They understand it. it yeah. And they like bricks and mortar in this country. Yeah. And who doesn't? You yeah. know, we're in an island after all. So they get that. But there are at least 20 property strategies. Most people know one, which is they buy a flat around the corner or yeah. they buy a house around the corner. True. You know, and they get a 5 or 6%. Nothing wrong with that, but it's underperforming. It's just understanding how do you do better than that, and there are so many ways to do that. But building a portfolio of property is no longer than trading time for money. You get an income in exchange, which is called rental income. Or some or license yeah. income or yep. uh, some other form of income, but anyway, you can measure it, you can count it, and you can stick it in your bank. Yeah, and if you're not and around, it can make money it's still there. Yeah, you got it. The next one after that then is a business that works without you, not a business you're in. Yeah, but if, and you know this more than of course, most yeah. people. Of course, you know you're a convert to that, and 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 I talk in the book the wealth coach about the different ways you can create recurring income inside your business, but you can also create recurring income outside of your business. So if you've got a business that creates recurring income, it means you've got a supply of regular income, contractual, wherever possible, that you're generating streams and flows of contractual or relationship-based income, but the relationship no longer depends on you. You don't have to be the person who shows up. You don't have to be the person who smiles and greets anybody. The income yeah. is flowing. And that comes from um, auto-delivery of product, auto-delivery yeah. of service, some kind of membership or subscription, and uh, okay. what I call a gateway. Getting the team to run the business. And getting the team to run the business. And there are some very fascinating ways now you can get the team to run the business and you can basically sell that to the business and get all the money out tax-free. Yeah. You know, So lots of different ways to get an exit strategy from that, yeah. which is another mistake that people 
make as well. But anyway, so now we're at number, uh, we've done four, five, six is intellectual property. IP. IP for short, which is creating a flow of income from what's inside your head. How do you convert that? How do you repurpose that? How do you repackage that? Well, okay. What about J.K. Rowling? Yeah, true. Good flow, right? Amazing flow. Amazing flow, right? Now, not everybody's going to be J.K. Rowling, but you could franchise something. Brad Sugars. You could license something. You could create a training course that uh, people buy automatically. You know, so you and and I do that. So part of what I do is create things for my own, for the own purposes of IP, but have other people run that, sell that, and so on. And then the final one is joint ventures or collaborations. Yep. Oh, by the way, just to just to come back to your point about the flow of income from IP, here's here's the nicest way because it sounds different. So all of this work income uh, versus asset income uh, for those people who are you know audio. You know, work income sounds like work, 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 get paid. Yeah. All right, five weeks of work. Whereas if you do the work from a recurring income point of view, you do the work and get paid, get paid, get paid, get paid, get paid. It sounds different. Yeah, every so often you might need to redo the work for your training cost, the well, IP, you, update you, the IP. You, but that's maintenance. Yes. That's not recreation. But the royalty income, that sounds good, doesn't it? Royalty. I mean, I like the sound of that. So royalty income from IP is a way to create uh, an income flow. And then joint ventures and collaboration says, hey, somebody else has got a skill set and I've got a skill set. What if we combine the skill set? It doesn't have to be in a business. It could be in a project, like a property project or a, uh, any project where there's a purpose for profit. And then you can either share the profit and then you take the money you make from profit and you bank that in another asset. Or you co-own the the project and you get a share of the recurring income. So they're the seven. So we've got... JVs, IP, businesses, property portfolio, home capacity, pensions and investments. That's it. And most people don't have anywhere near enough to create that recurring income that will sustain them to be financially independent. And remember this one, financial independence for you, if done well, is financial independence for the next generation if you give them stewardship. If you just leave the money, they'll spend it because you don't give them knowledge. So the so this whole this wealth of the whole family, I, I feel like is we important. Should, do we should we talk about trust, a family trust type thing? It's tactical. I can talk about trusts. I mean, there's. I'd rather be strategic. Go on, because strategic means getting the big idea. Uh, because as soon as you go deep. You can throw people off because they go, well, that's too complicated for me. Right. But the the concept of trust is really easy and it's really important to get it because if you're building wealth, do you want to build it tax efficiently or tax inefficiently? (laughs) Tax efficiently, right? Do you want to build it so it lasts if something goes wrong or somebody can grab it off you if something goes wrong? Well, the, the, the answers are really easy. Well, you do that through the use of trusts. So trust then is just a piece of bubble wrap that, or, or a box wrapped up in bubble wrap that is financially protected against yeah. tax, creditors, and legal 
uh, what would we call that? L litigation or something okay, like so that. Okay, so it's protected right? against tax. Yeah. Litigation yeah. and what else? Creditors. And credits, yeah. Right. So nobody can get it. So if, if you owe somebody some money, they no can't can. touch that. Right? Somebody comes and sues you, can't touch that. Taxman can't touch that. That's basically a trust. And there are many types of tactical trusts, but that's a concept of a trust. And the simple ones that every business owner should have, without doubt, I don't have to go, I'm advising, I'm guiding here, is have a, if you've got any form of life cover or pension, so pension, most yeah. people have got some, just fill out a form that says, if I die, this money goes directly to my spouse, directly to my partner, directly to my children. Do not pass go, you know, just go straight that, there. That's one of the first things that people should do. I've, I mean, listen to this. I mean, surely. And that's easy. It uh, it's is. It's just called an expression of wish. And what that does is, is it protects that money from tax and it pays the money straight away. Because I'll, I'll come on to this point about uh, delays in a moment. The... The second trust uh, would be, because um, that's life insurance trust, the second would be if you've got a pension, put that in trust. So life cover, put it in trust. Pension, put it in trust. And it's not complicated. It doesn't cost anything, any money. It's just a document and you tick a box and say, if anything happens, I want this money to go to. Okay? That's as simple as a trust is. Most people don't do that. So when something happens... How much it cost to set a trust up? Nothing. Those two trusts, nothing. Nothing at all. It's a tick box. Really? It's a, it's a really tick box. I'm not kidding you. It's a tick box. Think about life cover, right? Most people who are young, got a family, yeah. got a mortgage, probably got some life cover. Right? Where did they buy it? They bought it online, so there's no trust document. They were sold it. The salesman's too lazy. There's no trust document. Now, some will do a proper job. But the trust document invariably isn't there because I see them because yeah. I've got an advisory firm where that's the first thing we do is we call it putting the roof on your plan, making sure you are legally watertight. Right. right? Putting the roof on your plan. There are a few more things beyond that, but those two are so simple. But do you know that there's like 20, last count, 27 billion. Now, whatever number I'm going to share with you, that's a big number, right? Yeah. Lost and forgotten pensions. 27 billion. 27 billion, not million. Billion. That's people who used to work for a company but don't work there anymore. That's how many pounds have been lost. Yeah. They they moved house. Told the doctor, told the dentist, told the optician, didn't tell the pension company. 27 billion. And a lot of women who do get married and leave their old pensions behind. Who profits from that? The financial services industry profit from that. And yet it could easily be solved by just keeping on top of those things. So simple things. And we've got clients we've helped find 100,000. The biggest single pot was just over 100,000 pounds because they wouldn't do that. Said, no, hold on. You worked there for 10 years. You've got something. Go and find out. Yeah. Go make a phone call. Yeah. And come back to me. Let me know what happened. Embarrassed. Hundred grand. I'll live with the embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. it's a hundred grand. Yeah. You know, no somebody judgment. else fifty grand, somebody else five grand, somebody else nothing, because it means you're doing something and participating, which is one of my principles: participation. You're participating in your own wealth. You're not delegating it and handing it off to a third party at every opportunity. Now, talk to us about SaaS as well. 
Okay. You've it's a trust. A yeah. Yeah. Pensions are talked about. Most people don't know what they're doing and they're just hoping for the best. They get a statement, wish it were better and put it yeah. back in the drawer again. Well organized, very neat, but in a filing cabinet, not doing anything. A SAS or complicated language, but that's life. Small self-administered scheme. It's one of the trust funds that all business owners should know. Because if you've got a limited company, yeah. uniquely for limited company owners, you can have one. Which means instead of giving the money to the insurance company to put in the stock market and you hope for the best, you put the money in your own trust fund and it's managed, yeah. but you choose where it goes. So let's go back to the pillars. Buy a property. Yes. Invest in your business. Yes. Invest in IP. Yes. Invest in JVs. Yes. Whatever you want to do you can. to build your wealth, the answer is yes. But most people don't do that because they it, don't know. What's the process that people have to go through to to do with SAS? One, have a limited company. Two, care enough to make a phone call. <laughs> right. Three, we applied to the Inland Revenue and four months is done. And in that four months, we're teaching people what what to do with the what money. What to do with the money. What do you, not, not we're doing it. What do you want to do? Yes. It's your money. What do you want to do? Do you want to build a property portfolio? Yes or no. Do you want to invest in the stock market but remove advisor fees? Do you want to buy gold? Gold isn't an asset, by the way, because it doesn't put recurring income in your life. It's a hedge. Right. right? So there's a difference between a hedge and an asset. Do you want, do you want to lend money? You can lend 50% of the money in your pension to your own business. Why would anybody do that? They don't want to borrow the money from somebody else. They yeah. want to be a bank to themselves. How many businesses during COVID would have been grateful for a loan yeah. from their own company and then pay that money back? So they're lending money from themselves. Yes. So they're being bank of self, which is really what building family wealth is all about. It's being it's the wealth of the Whelan family, the wealth of the Jones family, the wealth of any That's what family. Brad talks about. He says, you know, naming it that, the wealth of the Whelan family, the wealth of the... Whatever your family's name is. Yeah, we get the kids to, to help design logos. You know, we call it a family wealth business. It's good for ownership, that, though, it isn't is. it? It is. It is. Everybody's involved. Yeah, everybody see, owns it. Exactly. And, you know, everybody, in the same way as uh, joint ventures or a collaboration between the intellect of different people, usually at adult level, at a base level, you know, you, you say to kids, look, we're, we're creating a, um, even young kids, seven, yeah. eight. We're creating a little plan. We're going to have a little family crest. You got some ideas, you know. Yeah, what, yeah. And and we the kids see learn how to. They they see that, and then we're we're going to buy a property. Come and have a look at it. And while it's still one of the best things you could do, really, for children to teach them about work income versus asset income, isn't it? It is. You learn by doing. Yeah. Well, you learn by all of this participation, really. And that's why I call it participation, because anything you can do, if you think about what's happening today, it's, it's, it's very, very curious, right? So for, for our children today, younger ones, and of course, we've got to deal with age-appropriate content with the, expanding the age ranges. Yeah. But if you think about kids now who are, say, pre-teens, they're not, everything is invisible to them now. Think about that. Invisible. What mum and dad do? Don't know, don't see it. <laughs> Where did they get money from? Don't know, don't see it. When they want to get money, what do they do? They go tap. They go ping. They don't see it. So there's there's a complete breakdown of an understanding of where value is created and how value is paid for. 
So one of the principles that I share with my so families... Maybe it's getting... that The education is getting worse. Education for... Understanding look, the finance and the, value. The, the, the educate, I have a phrase for this one, and it wouldn't surprise you I have, that the educational system is setting up our children for failure. The education system that I'm planning and are just introduced, and we got our first cohort of 100 families just this week, right? Setting up children for life. Maybe it can be 101 families. You can have my family as well. Well, that's your call. But the the point is, if you've got two choices, you know, set set for failure, set for life, you'd set them for life. And that sounds just twee, but it isn't. Because when you really understand that education is the best form of legacy and there's no teacher teaching it, there's no school teaching it, no college teaching it, no university teaching it, no workplace teaching it. If somebody isn't influencing your children, who is? It's going to come from somewhere. Yeah. And and I'd rather be at the beginning, and it's taken me a long time to do it, but I've done it now, to make sure we've got families and create a movement of uh, forward-thinking, intelligent parents who are learning how to put their own oxygen mask on first before they help theirs irrespective of how old their kids are, whether they're seven-year-old, eight-year-old, or like mine in their 20s, it doesn't matter. It's never too late and it's never too early to involve your children in some kind of financial education. And while I believe in education, I'm a very powerful believer in the concept of education, I think it's just missing yeah. financial education with the ch- children living to 100. It's got to be there, you know, which is why I'm passionate about it. And by the way, the SAS... Just so you know that, as soon as your children hit 18, they can join you as trustees. And we call that a SAS simulator. Right. We we give kids, not kids because they're 18, but tests like, um, almost like Dragon's Den, right? So imagine you've got, you know, you created a SAS, uh, you found out about it anyway, you pushed the thing and somebody told you. And, and you go, that SAS is just a great idea. Couldn't invite my children. Because I want stewardship. So you say, okay. So, okay, James, we've got this SAS here and it's a pot that's building and we're in control of that. Now, at some point, you're going to inherit this. It's going to be yours. If you had, whatever the figure is, £10,000 and you were going to make an investment and these are the seven areas you could invest in, what would be your plan? Pitch it back to me. Right? See what happens. Teach them to pitch. Teach them to pitch because you Plan. need presentation skills in your life. You need planning skills in your life. You need negotiation skills in your life. And if they're going to That's manage That's where the money, learning happens, though. It is. It's wonderful when it happens. I'll make one final point on this thing about children, if I may, which is there are many families who have children who will never, ever be able to be stewards of money. They'll have physical issues, mental issues, whatever issues. And, and I think there's an uh, equally important reason that we as the pioneers, I'm talking to me and you, need to be the owners because we need to register that if we've got children who can't look after themselves, we need to put in place the structures, the trusts, to make sure they are looked after. Because, pardon me, if they can't look after themselves, we need to do it for them. For what reason would children not be able to look after money? Because of education, are you thinking disability? 
Uh, I've got clients with a blind daughter. Right. Who can't really manage things that well. Uh, some people with autism, okay. some people with a whole range of different conditions. Got it. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to pick on any individual so then conditions. Then you can set it up so there's rules it's that for can them. take. Yeah, take and, place. and and the family members uh, have a trust, and the trust makes sure the, that the, their financial needs are taken care of. The point is, no matter what your situation, it can be done in some way. It can be done as long as you do that. As long as you take action. Move the needle on those seven areas in some way. I mean, the, the beautiful thing on the seven areas is. Each one, it can build up a little bit of wealth, can't it? If your goal is to get 20 grand in passive income or 50 grand or... In yeah. Pa Sorry, passive income. I, swore I know that, what you mean. I? I know what you mean. Yeah, in recurring income. Recurring income, yeah. It can, you can divide it over seven areas. Each one can provide a little bit. Uh, to avoid overwhelm, I don't try and encourage people to think about seven. I encourage them to note them down and yeah. go, what, what, what... Do you start with one or two? Or? You, ideally, you start with two. Because you can work on two at the same time. Why two? Well, because I've, my experience is if you give people too many things to think about. Yeah, true. Overwhelm sets in and they shut down. Got it. It's like the thermometer goes, <laughs> can't deal with it. Uh, can't deal with that. It's too many things. But So two two things. Two? If if they've got busy jobs, busy busy businesses, a couple of things. Do, do a lot of people take the property option in the UK? <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. They The two most popular, pension and property. Yeah. Because they've got a pension anyway, so they best do a better job. And they like the idea of property. But it could be any combination. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having... Is it release of money from pension put into property? can be. It can be release of money from savings into property. It can be release yeah. of money from the existing property that's owned and put into that. And that's another issue. Yeah. You know, the difference between good debt and bad debt is it's often... You think going back to the children, you know, you often will hear things like a never a lender or a borrower be. And there's a big difference between lending, borrowing money for wealth building purposes, where you're making money on the difference between what you're borrowing and what you're. But you have to understand the difference. So if you're borrowing money at 1% and you're making 10%, that life looks easy. But if you're borrowing money at 8% and you're making 10%, you know, something goes yeah. wrong and all of a sudden, you know, you can get into difficulty. So there's a delicate balance to play. How do you go that. about assessing all of that when Cat you come to brain. work? Cat scan brain. You, you do all of that in 30 minutes? No, not not entirely, but enough to say these you've, are the you've two. You've done it so much, you, you're processing everything. And, and you're I've calculating got a, we, everything. We've got a thing called an asset map. Right. It's like a mind map of somebody's finance, one of my team does that. Yeah. And I look at the map and in 30 minutes it's done. It's not really difficult to do at all. The, the well, issue, it's, all, it's all logical in the end, uh, isn't it? Yeah, and by the time you've understood what people like, there's a natural inclination for people to say, if you could choose any one of those, somebody's going to say, well, I think I like the idea of property or I like yeah. the idea of, I'd like to know how I could turn my business into a stream of income or I'd like, an, I'd like to know... What streams of income could come from other businesses? So, for example, if someone's a coach, instead of just coaching, trading time for money, they could coach for equity. Yeah. They could coach for, or they, they could see another business and they could buy another business and they could even buy another business with the profit that's already in the business. You know, buy, there's all sorts yeah. of mechanisms where you can, remember I said earlier on with property, you can own or control. Yeah. Well, you can do the same with business. You can own or control a business without having to buy it. Yeah. And 
while these are more uh, difficult strategies to learn, and you need to be in the right place to be able to learn them, they're all they're all teachable. They're all absorbable, and and we got such a big community of people doing lots of things. As soon as someone says to me, "Hey, I'm really interested in property, and I like the idea of say students," right? Go and talk to these three people who are doing it in our community. So that connection shows people how possible it is. And even in some cases to say, yeah, I saw what Fred was doing with that property and I didn't like it. That's great. Because that tells you you don't want to do that. Yeah. Now let's You've learned let's take it. another one. What about this? And there are so many clever ideas uh, people are using when creativity comes to bear on value creation, then that's when... Things get dramatically better because you're not limited by the state of a market. You're limited by your own creativity, and that's unlimited. If you see, if you see what I'm saying, because there's no there's no box around that. Does someone need to be in a particular situation to start approaching this, or can, irrespective of your situation right now, can you start to go and change the needle? Everybody can do something about building their wealth even if it's just immediately immediately absolutely immediately there's no everybody t- can everybody can. should everybody well one of the ways if there's only one circumstance where i think it's more difficult and that's when they've got more month left at the end of the money right got it but that's a lot of people listening right now as well well if that's the case then the process for there is a process we call debits which is looking at everything that's going on in your life and plugging as many holes as you can. Because no matter how thinly you slice any argument, it's always two sides. So no matter what you're doing with your money, whatever yeah. you're spending, there's a better way to do it. Yeah, there's a better way. You're buying this, you could buy it cheaper. Manage it. You're using this, you could do it this way. You're spending this, you could stop that. Manage the debits. What I don't like is the idea of penny pinching. But debit stands for debt, education, bills, insurance, tax, and stock market fees. It's all of those things. That's cool. Yeah, and we do that. So we sit down and go, right, let's look at everything that's going on in your life and show you some ways to save money. Most people save about £1,000 when see? they do day, day one. It's about 1000 quid day one is what they find on average, which, okay, but if you think about that as, uh, as a seed and you make a grand, that's now a seed you can plant in an asset. Or you could get an education that teaches you something because education is the is the first asset which is sown in here. And so the the reason why I say us as pioneers, we've got to be open minded to planting our own seeds because the tree won't come unless something gets planted somewhere. So you've just got to start today. That's what I recommend. People won't do it though, because they go, Oh yeah, I should do that. Like my dad, I should do that. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. We'll get because I'm too busy. We'll get super clear on one thing very shortly. I've got some quick questions for you here. What's the what's your favorite book that you've ever read? Business book. Uh, I would say probably uh, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey. Yeah, I think probably that one. Favorite movie. Favorite movie. Uh, Shawshank. Oh, it's got to be Addison in number one. Shawshank. Yeah, it's mine too. Yeah, that's a cool one. Favorite holiday destination well you know i go uh, somewhere different every six to eight weeks so um just come back from slovenia yesterday living the dream slovenia uh, yeah it's bringing back memories I used well, to go there every year well i love slovenia first time there though but uh, that was great so uh, but probably the best one i ever had was south africa 
when we did the uh, Cape Town and then we did the safari and then oh, yeah. went, you know, across the garden route. That was that safari was, in South Africa. That was yeah. classic. That was classic. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? I'd have my hair back. <laughs> <laughs> you can always get a wig. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm quite happy now with yeah, my with my sort of style. Proud. But uh, there you go. So any superpower? Um, that's an interesting one. I'm not really sure what I would think about that one. I think um, just just to be able to dispense wisdom more ably, I think. Share wisdom more yeah, ably. That's nice, so. isn't it? Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Uh, I'm an early bird. Yeah, not as early as you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm I'm kind of up and at it at, yeah. at seven, looking at connections every morning. It's my LinkedIn and Facebook time. So I like to do that. Always looking for a new connection. Especially now, I'm looking for people who've got a real passion for financial literacy. And I'm finding them now, you know, people who've got, uh, I was talking to some woman, fascinating woman. She's got a child with autism and, and it's like, you, you don't know what that's like. You know, they've got to wear ear defenders when they go out. They're fidgeting everything. They're never going to handle money in, in a traditional way. So you've got to yeah. create a new reality. I'm going, okay, there must be thousands of parents like that. How can we help those parents? So I'm always finding that connection to find another message that right. shapes it. So and it's more about supporting those because I've got an autistic nephew. He'll never look after himself. He's not going to be able to do that. He can manage a few quid and get on a bus and get off a bus, but he's never going to be able to buy a house and, and, and run a family. It's not going to happen. So the family have got to do that. And I think that's all my brain is focused on families, nothing else. I don't do anything it's else nice. anymore. You know, it's revolutionary, really. Well, I'm looking for a movement. So if this <laughs> resonates with anybody and they think, wow, I'd love to get either get involved or help us grow it. 103, you know, well, yeah. 104. And then that will just keep growing. And then in the end, we'll have a conference of 2,000 people in a room with best practices of children talking about yeah. being All I mean, young entrepreneurs. Why not? I mean, where's entrepreneurship in school? But I've just talked about... Preaching to the converted here. Well, yeah, the yeah, pillars yeah. are all yeah. about entrepreneurialism, but... They don't even know how to spell it at school these days. I mean, I'm being disrespectful. Teachers are doing a great job, by the way. And uh, it's not their fault that the curriculum has been designed for a generation probably two steps back. Yeah, it's not designed for the current generation now. If you could have one day in someone else's life, who would you choose? I would choose um, somebody who's really powerfully impacting um, like a nation. Something like that. It, it would have been someone like Mandela, but he's not around anymore. But that's that's oh, probably would have chosen. But yeah, but just somebody who's just so impactful. Yeah. You go, wow! How are you such a leader at that level? You know, so uh, Churchill, not Churchill, um, Mandela. Mandela, yeah. And who, 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 who interestingly said, it's only through education that you can really change a nation. And no wonder you'd want to be here. You know, I think that's a very powerful one, albeit. I definitely would not have wanted to have gone through his experiences, but but certainly he's a passionate educator and be believed that it's education that changes countries, and I believe that to be the case but as well. There you go. Education can change a nation. You know, I'm sure I'm paraphrasing, you know, but somebody's yeah, got the quote right. somewhere. Um, who've been your three biggest trusted advisors? Well, one of the challenges, where which is an interesting question, um, has really been the fact that 
when my dad died and I decided at 28 to become financially independent and design a life around that, I didn't have any. And if I could go back, I would seek them out. I think I was a bit too, you know, Superman for myself. And that's why it took me too long. Um, Seek out the advisors at a young age. I, I would do. And, and, you know, even in life now, I think it's hard, isn't it? Often for men to 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 give that chink of light that says, hey, I've got a I've got an openness, almost a mission of a weakness. Speak for yourself on this one. Yeah. And often that's the case. And I was that person. Right. At the beginning. Uh, and it, it was only later. So, you know, um, I think I, it wasn't really an advisor, but somebody I was thinking long and hard about somebody in my team. And and I, he was a Yorkshireman. And uh, and I was thinking really hard. And I, his name was Brad. And I was going, not like Brad Triggers, but, you know. So I was talking to this bloke. And I said, I can't get Brad to do this. And I wish I could get Brad to do that. He said, Gavin, get expletive rid you think he's lying awake, <laughs> thinking about you? Get rid. That's you know, a good accent, that. You know, so the the point being that um, sometimes you don't see things when you're in it and you need somebody else who yeah. can step back. And and now I seek that and try and build a community of, of, of similar guides, not gurus who think they know it all, but guides who say, yes, I have expertise in that and I'm willing to share that. Sometimes commercially, sometimes for free. But either way, I'm willing to share that. Uh, so I found some great, you know, people subsequently, definitely. And what's the first thing that people should do then once they've listened to this? In your opinion, work out, take stock. Right, always do a stock take where you are, because that begins the process of moving you from. You call it moving the needle. I call it moving the thermometer, but it's exactly the same concept, yeah. right? So when most people take stock, we say to them, okay, imagine today work income stops. How much is going to come in automatically into your life? Work out what it is. Yeah. For most people, it's going to be a big fat zero. Most people, it's a big fat zero. Go, right, okay, your thermometer is the baseline. Great. Only way is up. Let's now. How nice is that to look at? Yeah. Now let's work out how'd you get your first hundred a month? Yeah. How'd you get your first 500 a month? How'd you get your first a thousand a month? And then work out what's the baby steps, not necessarily baby steps, but what are the small steps that you can take to build momentum so you're doing something? And our rule within Wealth Builders is something every month. So instead of trading time for money every month, you're doing something yep. to build your wealth each month, your recurring income each month. What small step can you take this month that will start that process? And the starting point is always, where are you now? You see, And where do you want to be? So what would independence look like to you? Whatever that number is, now we've got the gap. Now let's backfill and start working month one on what do we do first, what do we do second, what do we do third, what do we do next? See, when I ask people, you know, what would they do if they had the chance to do it all again, a lot of people said I would start that process much sooner, <laughs> getting into that whole wealth creation side much yeah. sooner. You know, so much in this, for my favorite bit, I love this statement. If you don't find a way of making money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. I love that. But overall, my favorite part of this is your intensity. 
and you've repeated a number of points. I've never seen you as focused and communicating so directly about some points as clearly as you have done today. It's been my favorite part. Glad you enjoyed what, it. What's been your favorite bit? Well, you know what? It's been good for me to, to see it from the perspective of somebody who wants to share. And you said a couple of times, I'm the listener here too. So if you're asking questions on behalf of the listener, then my job as somebody who's trying to be the guide is to distill those points you make and go, how do I yeah. make that clearer? Because whatever's happening, education system isn't changing anything. In microcosm, what I'm doing, helping a few thousand families, is not going to change the world. I need to get clearer. How do we get this clearer so more people are willing to move from at rest? And if you can help and somebody else knows, there are communities out there. Somebody asked me to talk at their church. I thought, what a great idea because they're a community of people and they care, don't they? And if you surround yourself with people who've got caring on their mind, mm. not just making money, then that's going to be a great place to be. So I'm looking forward to doing more. This is my life's work now, by the way, James. You know, I'm not doing anything else now. Well, you're going to, be, you're going to go until you're 100. I'm not sure I'll go <laughs> until you're 100. <laughs> Maybe. My, my, the money will. The, yeah, grand, yeah, the yeah. grandkids will. Uh, and, uh, you know, go I, beyond the 100. What, what, I, the 100. what I want is somebody toasting me in 150 years' time and go, cheers, Kev. Yeah. That'll do me. Because all I can do is do my best Wonderful. and impart that wisdom. And thank you for the opportunity to share and what I know with people listening to you. The reason that I said earlier on about putting it on repeat, I, I think some people will want to put this on repeat. And the reason I asked you that question later on, anybody can take action on this, irrespective anybody. of where you're at. Wealth managers are perceived for, I'm not, for the wealthy... But come on, you've got to you've got to move that hill. And we, as soon as you said, the only way is up, baby. You know you're at point zero. Great, isn't everyone's it? in. Kevin Whelan, thank you very much. Thank you, James. Appreciate the invitation. Hey there, James here with an exciting announcement. The Biz X Awards is coming to the ACC Liverpool from the 18th to the 19th of April with an incredible lineup of speakers. You're going to meet the likes of Stephen Mulher, Donald Miller, Deborah Meaden, and many, many more. Book your spot right now at thebizx.co.uk. And if you've enjoyed listening to the Business Excellence podcast, make sure to comment your top learnings and favorite moments, as well as like and subscribe. See you next time.